0: Don't we all wish we could have those open and honest conversations with our friends and family to be able to ask a question without being overly terrified of what the answer might be? Well, that's what the Onus Podcast is for. We are here to bring on individuals each week to talk about their pregnancy experience, talk about their... Yeah, pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum, and be completely open and honest about those taboo topics that we have been told are shameful to talk about. We'll also be bringing on providers from the Onus Collaborative website. These people will range from midwives to doulas, speech language pathologists, lactation care providers, and they're going to talk about who they are as individuals, who they are as providers and why they got into the work that they did and what they might be able to help you figure out what's going on for you. So yeah, we're excited to have you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Onus Podcast. My name is Erin and I am the founder of the Onus Podcast and the Onus Collaborative. We are so excited to have you all. This week we actually have Courtney, one of our providers. She's our pelvic floor physical therapist based out of LA and we're so excited to have her on. She's going to be talking to us about all things pelvic floor PT, including why it is so important for people who are going through pregnancy or in their postpartum journey. So we're super excited to have her and we hope you all enjoy. So, Courtney, how about you tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do, what are your interests?
1: I am originally from Kentucky. Um, I'm from Louisville. Um, so I grew up and was born and raised there. And then I went to school in Boston um, uh, at Northeastern. I did my uh, undergrad and grad school there. So I finished PT school um, and when I was in school I met my husband and he ended up taking a job out in California and so when I graduated PT school I ended up moving out to California with him. We were not married at the time but um, we so we have been out here for like three and a half I've been out here for three and a half years now um, in LA and yeah i I kind of started off um, working in orthopedics um, in physical therapy just very general um, yeah you know I grew up I was very into playing soccer and sports and I love being outside and being active um, i I don't usually sit still very well so <laughs> um you know I I like um being active in that way so I thought PT was a great a great tool for me to use that avenue and, and help people and I wanted to be in healthcare, but I didn't really want to go the medical school route um I didn't want to be in school forever so (laughs) I ended up in in PT school Um, and I I always enjoyed kind of like the athletic training side of things as I was playing sports and I did go to PT myself when I was growing up and it just kind of really became a a nice avenue for me to be in healthcare and be active and, and help people get better and feel better.
0: That's awesome and I'm originally from Cincinnati so not too far from each other are you really yeah oh how funny
1: yeah, yeah. Wow, I've spent plenty of time in Cincinnati yeah. that's so funny
0: and I spent a lot of time in Louisville I was a competitive swimmer so I always swim at the University of Louisville so
1: okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. oh my god wow yeah. small world very small world
0: <laughs> and how are you liking living yeah. in California
1: I like it Um, it's it's a really interesting uh, different part of the world that I've lived in Um, it's you know you get to do a lot there's plenty of opportunity, um, but it's really nice to have all the access to the outdoors, Um, you know, we can go to the beach and hang out there go swimming, we can go to the mountains and go skiing or go hiking. you know, or just go for a nice walk around the neighborhood. It's usually sunny. So um, it, it's great. I am not one to do a lot of commuting. So I like to find my work nearby where I live. So I actually have a nice, like 20, 15, 20 minute bike ride to work, which is great. You know, I could do that all year round. So it, it's a special place. It's, uh, it's, it's a little bit different in some ways, but, but it's good. It's pretty fun.
0: It sounds like you're in the perfect spot. You're a super active person. So you get to get outside (laughs) and then also you're a physical therapist. And so you're on your feet all day. (laughs) So that's really good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it works well. (laughs) Some days it gets the better of me, but it works.
0: (laughs) You've been a public, well, a physical therapist for three years.
1: Yeah, I'm going on my fourth year. Yeah. So like three and a half, I guess.
0: Yeah. And what is your typical client that you work with? Have you found that you work with a lot of people who are pre-pregnancy, like in their 20s, haven't even thought about kids? Or do you get a lot of people in postpartum at all?
1: It ranges, honestly. Um, I would say the majority of people that I work with do tend to be more pre prenatal. (laughs) Um, so kind of more on the younger side. Um, but I do also work with plenty of postpartum women, um, or I work with women going through menopause. I also treat a lot of men. Um, so I see men who have various pelvic floor dysfunctions as well. Um, so it's a big range to be honest.
0: And how did you decide to specialize in
1: pelvic floor? So, I started off in orthopedics. Um, and as I was kind of, you know, getting into it and figuring my way after graduating school and trying to actually figure out what I was doing, um, <laughs> I really wanted to figure out more of what I wanted to do um, with PT. And I was starting to see some pregnant uh, women, um, also some postpartum, but it really to me didn't really dawn on me that i was treating them postpartum i was just treating them and they happened to be postpartum um, but as i was treating more women who were pregnant um, you know it was a, for hip pain hip pain back pain that kind of thing they well when i was treating them, it was just like there's got to be more to this i felt like there were pieces that i was was missing i didn't know exactly what to do with them aside from treating them like they had back pain um, and that kind of led me into doing a little bit of my own research and how using the diaphragm was really important with various aspects of back pain or or even improving hip uh, hip pain or you know pelvic pain. And that then led me into the pelvic floor. And I decided to try my first course on the pelvic floor. That was very intro level. Uh, it was three days. I went with a coworker of mine, and we, you know, learned what the pelvic floor is, where it is, how it functions, what its purpose is, and and how to start treating it. And I just fell in love with it right away. And I kind of started. I took that back and was using it, you know, at at the orthopedic clinic that I was at. And I still you know, I wasn't really doing as much of it as I wanted to. And I had an opportunity come up to work at pelvic health and rehab center in LA, um, which just really got me fully immersed into the pelvic health world. And I haven't looked back.
0: That is very cool. Thank you for telling that story. Um, I actually did public floor physical therapy, and when they had told me about it, I had never even heard of it, because the thing is, I am um, also, being a competitive swimmer, I had three different injuries, so I had shoulder surgery, back surgery, and hip surgery done. Um, yeah, I had a lot done, <laughs> and then, I had always been in physical therapy most of my high school years, but then... I started having issues with like a lot of spasms in my vulva and like in my vagina Mm. and I couldn't figure out what it was. And for ages, I thought I was just like kind of going insane. Like maybe it's not really
1: happening,
0: yeah. But then I started talking to my friends about it like asking them if they get it. And they're like, no, we don't get that. So I finally found um, a female OBGYN who was like, you need to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist. And it was honestly one of the best experiences that I've ever had. 'Cause she was incredible. She was just she always asked for my consent. She always explained things. She was just she was incredible. So I really love public floor physical therapy. I think it's a really important
1: tool that isn't talked about enough. So you're in a very important field. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really special. I mean, I think it's just so awesome to be able to see a patient on the first visit and they have you know, complaints about whether it's pelvic pain or not being able to hold their, you know, bladder in and and having to rush to the bathroom all the time, or they're leaking while they're trying to do activity, or they're having a lot of constipation and, and they feel really awful. And when they're having pain with sex or, or just pelvic, you know, the pelvic pain in general, and they're really struggling and it's impacting you know, every aspect of their life. They can't sit, they are, are, they can't focus on work because they're thinking about going to the bathroom. Um, You know, they, they don't want to have sex with their partner because they get really uncomfortable. And um, it's really, it's an interesting rewarding journey to see them on that first visit hear and listen to what they've been experiencing and then take them, you know, down a path of, of feeling better and and having their quality of life just really restored um, and and teaching them about a a huge root of their body that they didn't even know existed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy because even just something as simply as like belly breathing, like so many of us don't even belly breathe
1: anymore. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) no we don't we don't yeah I I I had a patient actually today we were talking about doing exercise and how important it is to breathe while you're exercising and not hold your breath and he said well why do we do that why do we hold our breath I said because no one taught us Mm -hmm. you know I mean it's just the number of of people that I work with who don't know what belly breathing is or or why it's important it's just it it baffles me every time that (laughs) we just don't know.
0: Yeah. So you're helping people, but you're also educating them and
1: hopefully they get, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The educating is almost 99% of it, <laughs> yeah. which is fun. I mean, I, I actually, when I was growing up, I, I used to think that I was always going to be a teacher. Um I, I don't know. I, I really love school. I still really like school. I don't really want to be in school right now, but I really, I like learning. <laughs> um, and so it's PT is a really cool job to help people feel better, but you you teach all day long. Um, so it's, and, and you teach in many different ways all day long. So it's really cool. It's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, it is cool. And is there something that you've noticed is usually, are there, I guess my question is, are there typical known causes of what causes a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction? Is that something you've seen?
1: Yeah, I would say, so it can go kind of one of two ways in a general aspect. So if we have pelvic floor weakness, so if someone's having a little bit more incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse or diastasis recti, um, generally with that it can be you know pregnancy and postpartum is a big uh, childbirth you know that's a big uh, contributing factor but poor breathing mechanics um can be another um because if you're holding your breath and with exercise that's a lot of pressure that gets weighed down on the pelvic floor and, and that might cause a lot of weakness um can also have um you know Obesity can be something that can contribute to that or lack of activity, um, those types of things. Or if we have, uh, you know, more pelvic floor tightness, um, which tends to be more of pelvic pain, pain with sex, urinary urgency, frequency, constipation, generally with that, it is a lot of, um breathing mechanics can play into that as well um but it it could be over exercising or or not exercising the the right way and again kind of correlating that with breathing it can be a previous uh you know injury so whether that's your your foot your hip your knee your even your your ribs you know like it can really affect the way that you're holding your posture um Poor posture then can be uh, something that contributes, or if someone has, uh, you know, a, a job where they're sitting a lot, um, or cycling sometimes can contribute to that. Um, having a prior history of chronic infections, whether prostate or or urinary um, or or vaginal, um, you know, our body tends to see that as a threat, and so the pelvic floor muscles respond and clench. Um, in, in response to that, to, to protect us, um, but over time that ends up to overactive pelvic floor muscles. Um, stress and anxiety can can play into the picture as well. So quite a variety of things, and and even those, you know, they don't necessarily fall separately into one category or the other. They can they can you know cross paths, and you know, like I said, your poor breathing mechanics can go for either one, and that kind of goes for a lot of them too. So it sounds like a long list of things that could cause it right it's not easy and it's and it's usually a combination of things it's usually not just one event you know a a lot of times I have patients come in and and they don't even know how things started and so we you know we go back and say okay in the past year of of how this started what were things that maybe were, were different did your exercise routine change did your activity level change did your stress level change have your of your bowel patterns change, or your diet, um, you know those. Or was there a big a big life event that went on? You know, did you move? Did you, you know, get married? Whatever those types of things. Um, it, it, and it usually is uh, one factor piles on top of the other, and then we just have this one event that triggers, uh, you know, and then uh, that will set off the the cycle.
0: And that pelvic pain hurts. I know exactly what that feels like. So it's great that you are there. Yes, to it does. Give support and deal with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's and hard. You know, a lot of people don't know where to go for help. Um, sometimes they have a doctor that then they've been referred to see me, but sometimes they find us through long, long history of searching online and, Google ends them up in the right place, Um, you know, or rarely, but uh, maybe a little bit more commonly. Now I like to think at least that people are talking about it a little bit more and and people are saying, Hey, you need to do this. Like I had this, you should go to pelvic floor PT. It was really helpful, that type of thing. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky thing to solve.
0: No, thanks for sharing. Like, that's what I wanted to ask you. So do you find that most people find you guys basically just maybe searching their symptoms and then it's like, oh, pelvic floor PT, or is it that there are doctors out there that maybe know that?
1: <laughs> it's, it's a mix. It's a mix. Um, you know, I would say we have doctors in our area that that know us and work with us. And so we do get a lot of referrals for them. Um, but I have a lot of patients as well that say they found us through Google or social media and, you know, they're searching for answers desperately, um, because they're either in a lot of pain or they're, you know, having a lot of trouble with incontinence or, you know, they just, they need whatever help that they can get. Um, so it's a mix really, but I think there needs to be a lot more awareness, um, in the public, but also in the medical community um, to to have more doctors be aware of pelvic floor PT and that it, it is helpful.
0: <laughs> no, I think you're totally right. I think there needs to be more recognition and maybe, I don't know, I guess, training for doctors to understand that there are specializations in physical therapy. Totally. Yeah. And what are some of the biggest... How do I read this? What are some of the biggest, because we've talked about this over email, um, <laughs> like the biggest, not issues with pelvic floor
1: physical therapy, but like the,
0: do you know what I'm trying to say? The yeah,
1: like why is it not as big as it is? Yeah. Or, or why like, is it as small as it yeah. is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think one of the big things is stigma. Um, there's people are embarrassed a lot of the times to talk about it. Um, it's not, you know, and and we don't need to be walking around in the open all the time talking about our vaginas and penises and that kind of thing, but it is important, you know, and it's a big part of our body and it's a crucial vital part of our body. Um, and, and there doesn't need to be embarrassment about it, but there's a big, stigma that if you're not normal uh, I don't like using that word but you know if you're not normal then you're something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know just with history especially in the United States things revolving sex urination bowel you know that's just not talked about Um, so people don't know how to bring it up even when I see patients in the clinic you know, during the first visit, I, you know, we start that conversation of you know, what's, what's going on with you. And, and a lot of times they have a hard time talking about it. Um, so I think that's a big factor. Um, I think also it's just not taught. I mean, in PT school, I remember one class, one lecture, where we learned about the pelvic floor I couldn't tell you at the time that we learned the, the various muscles of the pelvic floor, but I knew that we had some sort of musculature down there and that Kegels were a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, here I am, you know, four or five years later learning that that's not necessarily the fun picture. <laughs> um, so, you know, in PT school and I'm a pelvic floor PT, I didn't even learn really about the pelvic floor. I, I did this all out, outside of school. Um, doctors. You know, I, I I don't want to say that this is a generalization, but, you know, I don't think it's really taught to them at med school. So how, you know, they go their career, not even knowing about it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a big thing as well. And I think at least in the United States, it's not covered under insurance. It's not seen as a medical necessity. Uh, which is a big problem, so there's a lot of difficulty accessing it, and those who are in more underserved populations or low income can't afford to do uh, pelvic floor PT that is out of network, which is a a big, that's kind of the most common form of pelvic floor PT, there are some insurance, uh, clinic clinics that take insurance, but they can only spend, you know, therapists can only spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes with a patient on, on average. And that just someone with pelvic pain or, or, or incontinence or postpartum, they, they need more than that. And so they have a hard time getting better through that. So they go to PT and they say, Oh, well, that didn't work for me. And then, you know the word doesn't get spread that pelvic floor PT helped them Uh, so I think those are are kind of some top three big things there
0: yeah I think all of those are actually really good points um going back to your first point about um the stigma around it I should have thought of that that's obviously a massive (laughs) one because I mean sex education we know especially on the east coast is little to none
1: (laughs) yeah right Yeah. yeah
0: Talk, to yeah. talk about it don't discuss it it's only i right can't talking. remember
1: what my yeah i can't remember what mine was you know I, I i think the one thing that i remember it wasn't necessarily sex education but as we were in elementary school i think it was in fifth grade we had this like night at elementary school that, that our moms took us and uh i think it was my pediatrician actually was there and was teaching us about our menstrual cycles i can't really tell you exactly what happens but they taught us something um which actually is quite a lot more than than what i'd expect from education in kentucky but anyways um But you know, it it obviously it didn't teach me what in a, a fifth grade who's gonna really remember this, but mm-hmm. didn't teach me that I had different hormones that those hormones fluctuated that, you know, getting pregnant only happened during certain times of the month. You, you know, like it just and none of that got repeated in further high school education. So yeah, it's lacking.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, and because for me when I started noticing like all of my issues with like my vulva is at the yeah. same time my PTSD because I was actually I started getting memories and flashbacks of sexual abuse and that's mm. when I started remembering it and I noticed whenever I got a flashback that's when it would start up um, but it took yeah. me ages to connect I think it took me like two years to connect like with the <sighs> <laughs> terrified of my vulva and I was so disconnected from it for so long so pelvic floor physical therapy was kind of my way of trying to also like kind of reconnect to this area of my body that I needed sure to on yeah so
1: yeah yeah absolutely and
0: do you find that why do you think that like it's for so there's not enough awareness around it for that standpoint but in the medical standpoint you would think that they mm-hmm. would focus on it, especially for pregnancy and postpartum so what do you right. think is that disconnect just OBGYNs don't know about it and they just don't recommend it? because we see in other countries like Australia, Sweden, England it's common practice to be referred.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I'm not really sure. Um, and that's more research that I need to do myself. Um, I I think in the US we our medical system has been built more on a fix it now and cover it up uh you know situation versus what's the root of the problem and so a lot of times there's a medication to turn to or there's a surgery to turn to or there's you know name it you you can do it versus let's actually spend a good six months to a year working on this, um, and resolving it Mm. or at least attempting to. Um, so I think, I don't know, that might be part of it. Um, but that's just kind of me speculating and, um, yeah, I, I, mean, that's a really good question. I, I need to do more, more research into that. Um, but it, it needs to be improved.
0: <laughs> it needs to be improved a lot. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, um, you went over yeah. a little bit with your uh, postpartum people. What is the most common issues that
1: you see? Yeah. I would say the most common postpartum issue is probably pelvic organ prolapse. Um, and maybe closely tied in with... Uh, urinary incontinence. Mm-hmm. I would say those are some of the most common that I see. Um, and pelvic organ prolapse is is basically where the the pelvic organs, so the the bladder, the uterus, the rectum, starts to fall down into the vaginal wall, and then the vaginal wall can start to fall down and out of of the vagina. Um, sometimes not all the way. Sometimes all the way, it just depends on the situation. Um, and that can happen definitely as, real, or as a result of childbirth um, because we have a lot of that downward pressure coming from the baby, uh, but also with the force of childbirth, uh, especially if women are directed to push and hold their breath and push, uh, can either be you know childbirth injuries as well, can weaken uh, the pelvic floor. And, or the surrounding the surrounding structures. Uh, it could also be with age. Um, you know, I mean, and some women who have never had kids can have pelvic organ prolapse. So it's not just a postpartum thing. But but with that commonly a woman will have complaints of vaginal heaviness or bulging or that can tie in again with urinary incontinence stress incontinence is a big a big thing and that's where if you're doing activities like running or you're sneezing or you're coughing you're laughing you're leaking small to a large amount of of urine it could also if you have if you have a prolapse that's more towards the rectum you could have constipation or fecal incontinence and uh, sometimes patients will also have uh, pain with sex or uh, discomfort with sex or they just want to avoid it because they're scared of it they don't want to make anything worse and and oftentimes like you kind of mentioned that disconnect to to their body Um, And a lot of women don't want to look at it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to know what's there. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, but it, but it's easily, you know, treated for some women PT is, is enough, you know, it's debatable whether we really resolve the prolapse, but symptoms of the prolapse, like, you know, all that I just mentioned, heaviness, uh, incontinence, those types of things are easily treated with pelvic floor PT. Um, you know, that can be, it might involve manual therapy. It, it, it might involve, a, a lot of times, it involves teaching the, the, how to work with their pelvic floor and work with your core and work with your breath and, and do activities in a more mindful, aware way so that you're not putting extra strain down towards the pelvic floor. Um, and, and, you know, giving someone tools to, to help manage those symptoms sometimes it does require use of a a pessary or or surgery if it if it really is that severe Um, but that's where we work closely with with your doctor and and you know find the best the best fit.
0: yeah thanks for sharing that that's incredible (laughs) um (laughs) for a lot of the postpartum people that you see that come in are these also people that have typically done research And then they're like, I'm having these issues. I need to find someone that knows how to do
1: this. (laughs) Yes and no. Uh, Some, it goes both ways, really. Mm -hmm. Some women know everything about it and they come in with a binder of information. Some have no idea. They said, you know, my doctor sent me here to do this. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't even know what prolapse means. Mm -hmm. So it it really ranges. And, And that can range for any type of pelvic floor condition that I see.
0: Yeah. And this might range as well. How long (laughs) do you have a postpartum patient um,
1: until symptoms have eased? (laughs) Yeah. You asked the gold standard question. It depends. Um, (laughs) I would say that's like my answer for everything. It depends. Um, But on average, you know, I would say I work with them for at least three months, um, but probably closer to a six month range, sometimes up to a year, you know, depending on the severity and their goals too. You know, mm-hmm. some women are happier at smaller levels of activity or just, you know, being able to manage on a day to day You know, take care of their child, and and that's fine. Some want to go, you know, run marathons and do CrossFit and Mm. be the next world's athlete kind of thing, right? So it it depends on what their goals are, really.
0: That makes sense. Um, Yeah. yeah, To I, because I've been through so much physical therapy. I'm like a year. That's nothing. Like that's not even (laughs) right.
1: Yeah. No. And I think a lot of times, again, kind of going back to our medical system in the u.s we've we're so structured on a fix it now mentality that people do want to get better yesterday you know and it's not wrong for them to want that you know i've wanted that myself but it does take time for our body to heal especially when we consider something that's you know when you're talking about postpartum women's carried a child for nine months you know and and then they're expected to just jump back in six weeks it just doesn't happen that way um so the expectations have really been put out there too high and there's not enough education about what reality looks like and yeah i mean our, our bodies need time to recover uh, whether it's an, an easy injury or or you know postpartum recovery and so you know, we might think of three months as short or long, depending on what your mentality is. But if you, you know, go to orthopedic PT for your shoulder, your hip, your back, whatever, a lot of times that you know your doctor writes the prescription for six to eight weeks, and yeah, you know, a lot of times in six to eight eight weeks, you're probably gonna feel quite a bit better. But for pelvic floor PT, it's it's not that fast. It's rarely ever. I don't think I've really ever treated someone that quick. Um, it, it, it takes a lot longer i would yeah I, I i don't hardly see anyone less than three months and, and a lot of times they're there for a year you they, they might not see me every week for a year but um they're following up with me to a to a good extent for a year yeah
0: that sounds all right i think mine was six months to a year <laughs> do you reckon that there are a lot of People out there, especially postpartum people with pelvic floor issues, that they don't even realize that they have pelvic floor issues. Like you should, there should be more people going to pelvic floor PT and don't even realize it.
1: Yes, hundred percent. Yes, Um, and I think a lot of that comes from not being educated. You know, from even like we were talking about with you know sex education, we we miss it there but then postpartum right or, or prenatally when you're checking in with your ob every you know few weeks when do they tell you about it mm. hardly ever you know unless maybe you've brought something up to them or or you know and i don't want to discount all ob's they're not all all that um, some of them do really a, a very good job with the public floor and they're very on top of it um but you know, if they're not educating you, then you don't know. Um, and that's, that's a big problem, uh, because then you might think it's normal to be leaking urine after your childbirth because, oh, this person's doing it. This person's doing it like, oh, haha, That's just the way it is. But it's, it shouldn't be normal. Uh, it's common, but it doesn't mean it's normal. Yeah. Um, So I think there's the overall education for everyone is just not where it needs to be.
0: And do you know if there's any long-term effects of not addressing something as like a pelvic organ prolapse? Are there any long-term things that can happen?
1: I mean, it could get worse so i mean it could you know someone could have a stage one prolapse where their their pelvic organs are just kind of descending a little bit uh but they're not out of the vagina at that point but if they don't know what to look for they don't know what signs are are for pelvic organ prolapse they don't know what would make it worse uh then they could continue to make it you know say they're straining on the toilet for hours on end they're going to make that worse most likely and and then that could lead to prolapse completely you know stage four which is where it's coming out of the vagina and you know so definitely um there are there are consequences um you know and and someone could have a small amount of incontinence turn into a large amount of incontinence and then you know fixing that is not impossible but it's a lot harder um or someone with you know Constipation. If if they're constantly not passing their bowels, I mean that's going to lead to a lot of a lot of consequences, right? So, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I have endometriosis as well, <laughs> and you're like preaching to the choir about the constipation. Oh. Yeah, that's a bad. Yeah. One. <laughs> you're on the toilet, and they're like, "Don't do it," but it's like, "You got to get, you got to get it out."
1: <laughs> it's not good. For <laughs> <school>. <laughs> do not recommend it. <laughs> Do not recommend it. No. no. <laughs> Does it happen? Yes, yeah. but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you one of the last
0: questions. For um, parents who for new moms who are postpartum, what are the so- main signs that they should be looking out for that should start to raise that red flag of maybe I should reach out to a public floor PT?
1: That's a good question. So a couple different things any signs of urinary incontinence, whether it's small or large, whether it's with urge. So like you have to go to the bathroom really bad, you're running, you're getting the keys in the door and you can't make it to the bathroom cause you, you, you know, you've, you get to the bathroom but you've leaked before, you've been able to sit on the toilet or stress incontinence where you're running, trying to do activity or you're jumping, coughing, sneezing, and you're leaking. Any form of leaking is not normal. Um, pain so that could be pain with sex that's a big one uh not normal to have pain with sex, um and six weeks is likely not gonna just turn the dial and have you start to go back to whatever you want um so just because your ob cleared you at six weeks does not mean that something's magical happened and you're a new person um so could also so pain with sex could also be you know just pelvic pain so whether that's pain around the back or the front or around the sit bones or vulvar uh, vaginal anything like that uh, that's a sign pelvic organ prolapse you would look for heaviness or feeling like a tampon is like stuck um, or falling out of the vagina. Um, or seeing a bulge actually coming out from the vagina or, or the rectum could be possible too. Um, or, you know, having constipation where you're really struggling and it's not resolving, you know, within time, um, or fecal incontinence, definitely. If you've had any kind of traumatic birth and traumatic, I mean, you know, traumatic could fit, a a range of things, but dramatic in the sense of a a long labor or a, uh, you know, had to use assisted labor. So whether that was forceps or vacuum, C-section, for sure. Um, Definitely want to get into pelvic floor PT. Um, Or if you've had any kind of like tearing, uh, which is is pretty common, Um, but again, just even going through education about type of scar massage to do with that uh, is very important. Um, those would be my, my top. Oh, diastasis. Can't forget about that. Um, so diastasis recti is, is where you have a separation in the midline in, in the middle of the two rectus abdominis muscles in the belly. Um, it's, it's basically happens with every pregnant woman as the belly grows, the, the, to abdominal muscles separate to allow for the belly to expand. But sometimes that doesn't come back together and it can leave the, the, the linea alba, which connects those two muscles. It can leave that weaker and it, and it doesn't tense together very well afterwards. And you will have trouble engaging your core, going back to your workouts. You might see coning or doming in the middle of your abdomen if you're trying to do an abdominal-related exercise, um, and, and diastasis can contribute to incontinence, it can tr- contribute to pain, it can contribute to um, having, uh, you know, weakness in general uh, and, and difficulty in, engaging with the core. So, diastasis is a very important one as well. Um, those, I would say, are are some of the top signs yeah no thank you for. but basically you know any yeah but basically any women postpartum should see a pelvic floor pt even if it's just for a one-time evaluation to check things out you know better safe than sorry
0: it definitely sounds like it even like when you said with the tearing um i feel like everyone i talk to now has torn at some point during their delivery right
1: yeah and yeah
0: i don't think anyone has ever been to a pelvic floor pt
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's you know it 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 doesn't take a lot um and like i said it could just be one visit to learn what your body went through the signs to look for um you know how to be mindful of your posture and your core engagement and your pelvic floor engagement um after after birth um can be really really important and You know, prenatally as well, even if it's just, again, doing one check-in to see what you're, not that you would really assess your, your, you could assess your baseline at that point, but it does start to become a little bit uh, straight as you become more and more pregnant. But, um, you know, getting an idea pre-childbirth of of where you're starting and then being able to compare that postpartum can be really helpful. Um, or, or even just learning different pushing strategies for birth can make childbirth and labor much more effective. It can reduce uh, tearing. It can make outcomes better for mother and baby. Um, so there's a lot of benefit to even just one or two visits with a public floor PT.
0: I did know this. Do you mind going over what you mean by pushing? Like different ways of pushing that reduce your chances of tearing.
1: Okay, so there's there's open glottis pushing, pushing, and there's valsalva pushing or purple pushing. So valsalva pushing is what we commonly know. You know, where a woman's holding their breath and they're screaming and they're just trying to push to no end, right? And and the the doctors, the nurses are screaming at them. You know, push, 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 push. Which is not necessarily wrong um, but that uses a lot of breath holding and just you trying to increase a lot of the pressure in the abdomen to force the pelvic floor down and create an open space uh, uh, when you're pushing to let the baby out however there's also open glottis pushing which is where we exhale when we push you use an open mouth, so hence open glottis. Um, and, and glottis comes from the, the esophagus. So when you breathe out and push down, you prevent the buildup of pressure in the abdomen. And so you don't have as much pressure down on the pelvic floor, but with exhaling in a very gentle bearing down of the pelvic floor, you still get an effective lengthening and relaxation in the pelvic floor muscles to let the baby naturally pass through, so it 's actually quite uh in a simple, gentle technique, whereas we think of pushing as like uh, you know like just push push, 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 push um, whereas the the open glottis is is really using more of a like a low grown uh to help stimulate those pelvic floor muscles so it's kind of like uh, to actually let those pelvic floor muscles relax um and, and open up with that with that motion so
0: Great. no it's good to know thank you i think that's super yeah. important as well yeah so thank you
1: totally yeah
0: well thanks so much for coming on courtney It is an honor and You're also welcome. where can people find you
1: so I am I, I am on Instagram. It needs a little bit of work, and it's a slow slow process. But I am at Pelvic PT Edge E D G E, and I am currently working in LA at Pelvic Health and Rehab Center in uh, West LA near Santa Monica. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at.
0: Well good to know (laughs) and thank thank you for coming on.
1: Awesome thank you for having me. We want to thank Courtney
0: so much again for coming on the podcast and providing the education that we are so excited about, and just highlighting that pelvic floor physical therapy is so essential for so many people, and it's unfortunately not currently recognized as much as it should be in the pregnancy and postpartum realm. So we're here to provide that knowledge, here to provide you with those providers, and Courtney did an amazing job at giving us that information. If you are interested in following Courtney or reaching out to her, you can find her on Instagram at pelvic. PT underscore edge, or you can also um, book an appointment with her at Pelvic Health and Rehabilitation Center in Santa Monica, California. So we are so excited that we had her on and thank you so much again, Courtney. And yeah, we will see you all next week for our next podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.